Peace community, this is Mo Harper-Dazier from the Black Humboldt Hub. Happy Black Liberation Month. Some of y'all may refer to this month as Black History Month, but the Black community is rebranding in attempts to celebrate our greatness from the past, present, and into the future. And to liberate ourselves to celebrate Blackness in all its many forms. Black achievement, Black triumph, Black rest, and most importantly, Black joy. Today, I am joined by local Black shakers and movers, Andrea Stuckey, visionary and founder of Youth Arts Will Succeed, Douglas Smith, coordinator for the Emoja Center for Pan-African Excellence, and James Bragg, community leader creating space for connection with B-Men, the Black Male Empowerment Network, and B-Black, building Black community. So what's up, fam? How you? What you been up to? Well, first of all, I'm super grateful to, you know, be here with such an amazing uh, group of community activists. My name is Andrea Stuckey. Uh, my performing performing name is All Love. And uh, Youth Art Will Succeed is essentially just a, a, a group of artists. Um, I'm an artist myself. I like to sing. Um, I like to perform. Uh, I did a lot of theater in high school and I love poetry. I mostly like to do freestyling. I don't know. It's just kind of like my favorite form of art. Um, and I've had the privilege of actually working with uh, Mo. So that's been awesome. And actually we've got some things coming up in the future. So I just have realized that um, art has really, really given me a platform to share my experience as a black woman or multiracial woman as well. Um, because there's just so many misconceptions out there. And I'm because of that, I realized that especially in a rural area that more people need to see and hear black voices from a black person's perspective, uh, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And so, yeah, Youth Art Will Succeed just is a organization that aims to basically address racism and if not heal racial trauma through arts and healing arts. It's a, it's an honor to be here with y'all. Um, and uh, definitely share Andrea's sentiment. Um, got mad love and respect for all y'all. Uh, and, uh, and Black Humboldt, y'all are doing amazing work. And we appreciate y'all. Uh, and we need y'all. Thanks for showing up and, and holding things down. Um, and of course, got Doug holding things down with the center uh, over on campus. So mad, mad love for, for you and the work. I am uh, James Braggs. Uh, I'm actually a proud Humboldt State alum. Uh, I, I uh, uh, got my undergrad and graduate degrees from Humboldt State University. Uh, and it actually, my experience at HSU played uh, had such a significant impact on, on me and my experience um, coming from Southern California. Uh, to this area. Um, so, um, but I live, uh, live and work. Well, I live in Eureka, um, married, got two kids, and, uh, but I work kind of all over. I'm a, 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 an associate behavior analyst. So I, I work with families who support folks with developmental disabilities, kind of like a, Specialized teacher, uh, support folks to learn whatever they need to learn to live and grow and thrive in the community. 
I am a part of a couple projects. Some of y'all know me from, from the work I do with BMEN, the Black Male Empowerment Network. Our work kind of centers around three big areas, which is more recent. Collectively, we've kind of come together and as a, as a network have made a collective commitment to, to really focus our efforts around kind of three areas. Collective stewardship of the network, the collective mentorship of Black men and boys, and supporting each other to, to collectively anchor and support Black-led communities. And so this is more of a recent development. I think it's a positive development. Um, and I'm really excited. So. Um, and uh, I'm also um, part of another project called Be Black, Building Black Community. Really, the, that project is we, we started because we had a, or we still do have a commitment to thinking critically about our safety here in this community. Um, in particular, how we, what are our, our concrete experiences as it relates to law enforcement? And we, it, it started because cops were coming out trying to get Black folk to talk to them, figure out how to be less racist, especially after the murder of Floyd and Breonna and Aubrey, right? And protests and rebellions that happened as a result. Um, and it was kind of clear to us we needed to figure out a way to bring us together to think about the state of our, our safety. So anyway, Be Black kind of formed with, with the specific kind of focus of like us taking stock of, of our experiences and, and trying to figure out a way for us to collectively define and describe our, our, our experiences here in Humboldt County as it relates to our, our, our safety. Right, our perceptions of safety as well as our, our experiences. And because for me, and we'll probably come back to this and talk about this, when I think about organizing, um, community organizing, especially as it relates to like black liberation, it always comes back to research. Um, and in particular, the production of knowledge, how we're able to generate knowledge about ourselves, right? And our experience, self-determine that for ourselves. Not relying on anybody else to tell us our experience, but for us to, to organize ourselves to generate that analysis. Um, so, so we've we've kind of um, have been slowly moving in that direction to begin, you know, trying to answer that question collectively. But we got be black, be men. Um, some of the projects we got there's some. There's a project that's kind of focused on parenting and decolonizing parenting. There's that. We have the We Search We, W-E Search project, which is centered on this concept of us searching for ourselves, right? My name is Douglas. Um, I am, uh, and it's really good, let me just say, it's really good to be here with all y'all this evening, uh, coming from We Out Territory and, and just sort of coming together and talking about um, what we're, what we're doing here as black folks in our community. So um, I am, uh, I, I work for uh, now Cal, Cal Poly Humboldt. It's, it's really weird saying that, it, you know, um, does not roll off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the, and yeah, so um, I'm over there at, um, at uh, Cal Poly Humboldt. I'm the coordinator of um, what is, uh, we are the Emoja Center for Pan-African Student Excellence. And, uh, you know, this is a new name also. We 
we were known uh, up until this past semester, this fall 2021 semester, we were the um, African American Center for Academic uh, Excellence. And uh, the center uh, has been on, on um, was on HSU's campus since 2015. Um, it was, uh, it is one of, uh, four cultural centers on our campus, um, along with uh, ITEP, which is a, an indigenous uh, cultural community, and then El Centro, which is our, uh, representing our Latinx folks, um, and then our social justice center, which um, also operates as a, a social, so was so operating as a multicultural center. Um, so, and I'll, I'll jump back to the, a, little bit, a little bit why we have four centers in a second. Because a lot of times folks, you know, are assuming that these centers keep people apart uh, and so I'll address that in a second, but um, I, I've been on campus, on HSU's campus uh, in this capacity since fall of 2019. Um, I'm also from Southern California. I, I got my, I did get my undergrad from HSU um, uh, in 20, I graduated in 2015. Um, my, my background is in education. Um, I've been working in education since, uh, since, I, since I graduated high school, um, uh, that's way back in 2006. And so, um, and, di and diverse forms of education, whether it was um, like after school type programs to uh, nonprofit organizations, um, which, which had like an academic and educational focus um, and, or teaching or actually teaching in the classroom. So I'm an educator and um, this, uh, again, I've been in this role since 2019 and uh, it's, been a, it's been an interesting time uh, because, because of all the changes with pandemic and, and if you remember before the pandemic, you know, we were, we were dealing with here locally, uh, the blackouts. And so a lot of, lot of disruptions to, uh, to, to our program. Um, and so the Umoja Center, and that's Umoja, it's U-M-O-J-A, that stands for unity, that's Swahili for unity. Um, we transferred our name from, um, from, to Umoja Center for Pan-African Student Excellence from African American Center because for a couple of reasons, and but, but largely because we wanted to um, acknowledge the diverseness within blackness. Um, to say a lot of our students don't, I didn't, did, did not and do not identify as African-American. And, and so we wanted to, um, the, you know, we wanted to highlight our Pan-African diverse student body and, and making sure that um, blackness, no matter if you were African-American or if you were Haitian, or you were Dominican, or, or 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 you were from the continent of Africa, that there was there was a space where uh, that that operated it, that operates in a couple of different ways. And, and so, first of all, we, we operate from this paradigm of understanding that the university is uh, is a is a complicated space. It, it is it is a it is a site an ongoing site of settler colonialism, right? It's it's it is it is a space where education is taking place. But it is a site, and I'll say this again, of settler colonialism. We understand that colonialism is an ongoing process. It's not something that just took place in the past and it, and it ended, but it's an ongoing process and we're still interfacing with it. And the university is a site, is a contact site for, uh, of settler colonialism. And so being a, uh, a pan-African organization and a state school, um, and understanding that this state school has, um, has a history of, 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 ex of exclusion, Right, it was it was it was not an inclusive space, and therefore the the foundation of the institution still uh, has has some uh, we call them uh, I'll say blind spots or equity gaps 
space understanding that the university still has, uh, is still um, learning how to support and approach um, uh, black students and black minds. How, how do you grow black minds in a space that was once exclusionary of black minds? Uh, um, and so the center has, our mission of the center is, is, is pretty simple. We want to, uh, as we know, black students come up to um, Humboldt County from, from across California and really across the country and across the world. And so making sure that our students have um, a space where they, that they can tap in with each other. Uh, you know, coming to Humboldt County, we're gonna, you're gonna stand out as a black person. And, and sometimes that can be a deterrent for a lot of students, but we wanna make sure that they see us and they can feel that they can see each other and that they can feel acknowledged um, from each other across campus um, and in the community as well. The other, the other thing we like to we, we focus on is, is education. And we, do we are educating um, our black students because a lot of times this is the first time for many black students, for many black people that you come to a space where, where we are at the center of perspective and experience. Our voice, this, you know, is very rare to, you know, oftentimes you come from, um, I'll tell you speaking on, on my experience, where I come from in Southern California, it was very rare to have a classroom or, or a, a library or a conversation which centered the black experience, right? Um, and, and especially as an educational type of space. And so this is, this is a rare opportunity that Cal Poly, and this is one reason Cal Poly Humble uh, should be, uh, um, I think, uh, highlighted is because we do have this space on our campus. Many campuses don't have these spaces where you have a black educational space to highlight and you know to highlight the black experience. You know, we get to reclaim uh, uh, our stories, our narratives, and our experiences. And so that's that's one big uh, piece: education, edu educating ourselves as a community about who we are, um, but also educating uh, uh, other. It's intercultural education. We see ourselves as an intercultural uh, a space where uh, we can, you know, we, we return to my, my point earlier about, we don't, it's not about keeping folks separate, but it's again, it's about having the space for folks to, uh, you know, come together when, when, um, when we're out, when we're outside of our community. And so um, a space to come together and also again, be a space to educate our community and folks from, um, from, from other communities. And I'm, I have a background in international studies. So I really have this, you know, um, strong desire to, um, have intercultural dialogue and create coalitions and understanding amongst amongst different diverse cultures, um, and so that is a little bit about the center. I could I could go on, but I, and I look forward to um, talking a little bit more about uh, what we are we're doing at the uh, Emoja Center for Pan African Student Excellence. So I'm wondering if you'll talk about why it's so important for the Black community, especially the Black community in Humboldt County to have organizers and builders? You know, so I, I was sort of just speaking on this, um, you know, Cal Poly Humble, right? It's, a, it's an educational space. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a space where learning is happening, but oftentimes, um, oftentimes the way that the, the, way, uh, that the institution is uh, epistemology, the way that knowledge and what knowledge is valued uh, what knowledge is seen as valid um, that's coming through is often very, it's, a, it's Eurocentric. It's, it's, it's a Eurocentric philosophy. There's Eurocentric theory. And again, I'm going to use the words uh, periphery and, and, and the center. The, um, you know, the reason that organizing, so a Black organizing on a campus, on any, on any 
state institution or any uh, institution really, the reason black organizing is so important is that our voice is often pushed to the periphery. And, and for us to, for us to um, really pull our students together so that the A, they, don't, they can have a sense of community, a sense of belonging, right? That's, that's, let's just suggest that the first thing is about having a sense of belonging, a sense of, in the sense of, uh, of uh, so yeah, a sense of belonging on the college campus. And so oftentimes that's to tell the students who work in the center, hey, just, you know, acknowledge each other, say hello. You know, we, we often go through the classrooms and we're the only uh, black or brown person in the classroom, let's acknowledge each other. You know, so we, we know, we, we, you know, let's just start there, fundamental human to human interaction. Um, but then going back to the idea of knowledge and the way that knowledge is disseminated and what knowledges are represented, uh, represented on camp college campuses is often very Eurocentric. And so therefore for, for, for black minds, uh, not seeing ourselves represented in the, in the curriculum, um, not, seeing our, it, it, not seeing ourselves represented in the theories, uh, it's, it's, it's damaging, but like it's damaging. So if we can on, our, on, on a college campus, organize students, bring students together so that their experiences, that their experiences are at the forefront of the way that they approach their academics. Meaning, if you, whether you study biology, whether you study math, whatever it is that you're, whatever your department that you're in, finding ways to integrate your experience into your, into your uh, academics. And it sounds, that sounds like, well, how do you, well, how do you, how do you do that? Um, but again, it's, it's, it's really about teaching students about Centering that their experience, uh, centering their, their experience, that their experiences, as people as diverse as they are, are, are valid. And so, um, having having a having a campus resource that does that is is very is vital for, for Black minds and also for supporting um, the, the the cultural uh, direction of the campus in general. So I spoke a lot, but uh, I'll pass the mic. Thanks. Yeah, and I'll, I'll hop in and just piggyback on, um, you know, that's like on a on a microcosm, and you know, the college campuses in areas, especially rural areas, are such an important um, community asset for uh, minority communities because that's one of the ways that we diversify our community. So, in Black folks or um, yeah, any diverse population comes into an area that's rural, uh, being able to see themselves reflected in the environment is so important. It's, you know, because in Humboldt County, um, Black people make up about 2% of the population. And so what that means is you very rarely see yourself reflected in that environment. And when you don't see yourself reflected in the environment, you don't feel welcome. And so uh, the population growth of uh, Black people in Humboldt County is one of the lowest and the slowest growing rates. And I think that it's really important um, to highlight the reality for those uh, in our community who are not black, um, because the truth of the matter is um, there's a lot of hate crimes that happen here, you know? And just on a real note, um, mo most of the people who are targeted by racial hate crimes are students because um, the, 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 the racial hatred uh, tactics are actually specific 
they're smart. They, they target people who don't have roots in the community, don't know who to turn to, so they're easy to pick on. Um, I myself have been a target of a racial hate crime in this area. Um, I was called the N-word and almost ran over. And I myself don't really have any interest in dealing with within the political system. Um, you know, I will in community and efforts such as um, building Black community. But my approach is, again, through uh, with youth arts will succeed is through art and healing arts. Because when we're able to educate the community by sharing the truth about our culture and it's able to counter the, the misunderstandings that we have between cultures, you know, uh, it's able to address those stereotypes when people can actively participate in Black culture in a way where they're educating themselves on the beauty and on the positive things and all the things we actually have to offer, which is another reason why I'm really grateful for Black Humboldt, who is the, who is responsible for all of the social networking in this area that promotes Black business and Black culture for the most part. Well, no, not for the most part, but yeah, true and truth. Um, you know, you can go on Black Humboldt website and find all the local Black businesses to support Black arts, Black happenings. Um, and so it's just so cool to be in a space where you can see um, not just um, how the Black community is organizing, but who in the Black community is doing what. Because we basically cover all levels here. You know, we have Doug with the, uh, the campus life, you know, helping create a safe space or safer space for, uh, you know, the Black students. Um, and I just really hope that this message gets out there because there may even be students on campus who are Black who don't even know about the center, you know, or who may not even know about Black Humboldt. Um, and I know that our, our main, our audience, the, the major majority of the audience that listens to the, to the radio here is, is majority white, just like is reflected in the population. So, um, but so it's good to be, we're, we're all educating ourselves right now on different resources and the word is getting out. So that's why things like this are so important. Um, but on a macrocosm, like as, as far as like um, on a countywide level, um, we we work with people um, all countywide, you know, with, with the Building Black uh, community, which I have participated in as well. And that's a social network that um, it, it helps to people to come together on a more practical level. Um, you know, like he's, uh, James had spoken about that there's a parenting group and everything like that. Um, so there's something for everybody, you know, in this conversation, you know, business people in the biz business, uh, everyday working community members, students, um, you know, parents, families, and people who are interested in um, affecting change on a political level here in Humboldt um, without having to do it alone. Um, because community organizing in, uh, as a minority and minority group is really difficult because our numbers are low. You know, we're oftentimes the target of a lot of hate and we're, we get exhausted easily. Um, and essentially, I think that is what all the, the purpose of all of these community organizations is, is trying to do is bringing people together because we're stronger in uh, numbers. And I feel like I can speak for um, all of us in saying that what community organizing and what our individual community uh, organizations are really trying to do is um, amplify unity and the strength that, it, that happens when we come together as a people.
And it's not our job to fix racism. We have to protect ourselves from it, yes. We do our best to educate the community about why it's wrong. <laughs> and we try to shine our light so that people realize that Black culture and the Black community is a beautiful asset that should be um, protected, um, bolstered, and um, uplifted so that we can so that we can truly thrive in this area. Um, this area is dangerous for black folks. It really truly is. Um, and I know that we see lots of crimes and big things happening on the, on the media, um, shootings, killings, things like that, uh, uh, racial hate crimes um, in big cities. Um, but a lot of the hate crimes are not spoken about in this area. So I just wanted to like really send home why it's so important that black folks in the community organize and that black, the non-black community comes together to support black organizations. Um, because we need the support, we need the help, and it isn't all—it's not all up to individuals. We have to do this together. It's—it's it's a problem that affects everybody, but obviously, uh, Black folks are the most vulnerable and affected, um, you know, by racism and historically, and, and other minority groups as well. You know, local Indigenous—you uh, know—I don't want to just say we are—you uh, know—because there's also other um, Indigenous people groups that live in this area as well. Um, and other minorities that are affected by racism as well. So I just wanted to say that um, it may be a topic about, you know, you know, black bodies, but it's really a community, a community topic that we're addressing here. So, and we all had a vision of creating um, uh, basically a, an eco village uh, that centered around Afro, that was Afrocentric. So um, that's something that we're working on uh, developing over the next five years. Um, but the first step of it is really educating people about what Afrocentrism is and why it's so important to the planet, <laughs> not just Black folks or, or to our specific issue or need. Um, because there seems to be a misunderstanding about what, what about Africa in general, <laughs> uh, about what Black people mean to our culture as a whole. Because obviously, if we're being attacked, we're not being valued and we're not being honored for our contributions to humanity as a whole. And people have, real, have really disconnected from what, what Mama Africa means to the whole planet, to everybody. Um, and so this is for my listeners who I don't really know. Um, but some of the first humans can be traced back to one woman in Africa. Um, I believe that there was a human genome project. Um, and the importance of that is there's this idea that humanity has a common ancestor. And for me, that is a source of celebration uh, for our, our humanity's hopeful future, is educating ourselves on the origination of life, you know, and how we're all connected and what part uh, Africa has to play in that role. So, you know, I believe that we're all related. I believe that there's one race, the human race, with many diverse cultures. Um, and it's, you know, even Africa itself is made up of an infinite amount of diversity and beauty. And um, it's an ancient ancestral and cultural hub that cultures have been influenced by since the dawn of time and continues to do so in this day. Um, so I just see the amazing potential of harnessing this truth to unite humanity. Um, and in essence, I'd like to, uh, you know, utilize the Iowa Wellness Village as a place that can be a hub where all cultures can come together and learn about um, are not our our indigenous roots, but uh, mostly focus with focus on Mother Africa. I know that there is so much cultural richness 
and there's so many practices of being with the land and being in community that I think could really um, benefit all cultures right now. Like that could benefit America, you know, that could benefit Humboldt County just by learning, you know, how to be with one another in community, how to be with one another, um, you know, growing our own food, uh, celebrating our differences, learning about our roots. And I just especially think that it's important for black folks uh, in America and specifically Humboldt County to understand that so that we have a foundation of pride and excitement to stand on. And, you know, it's, it's, just, so, it's just so important to have something to celebrate. Um, so it's gonna be called Iowa Wellness Village. And essentially we'll be growing our own food and we'll be teaching um, Afrocentric uh, workshops you know, comedic yoga, we'll be bringing in teachers that teach um, about just, you know, from Africa, from Nigeria, you know, even from the Bay Area, people that will teach about African roots in different ways that we can connect with each other and our culture, um, as well as a local Wiat tribe and learning from them how to be with the land. And I mean, it's going to be a long, slow process, you know, um, but it's community-wide. We're tired, and uh, it's just something that we can't do alone. And with the way that things look like in the economy, uh, share economy, coming together um, and helping one another out is just a need that we have more than ever. So there'll be a way for everybody in the community to participate at some level. Um, but obviously we wanna empower uh, the minorities with the more minority people group, specifically the black uh, youth population. Um, you know, we wanna hire them you know, to, to, to share their skills, you know, to do art. Um, that'll be our main focus still while sharing our gifts and our offerings with the community. We wanna, you know, just really bolster those who are the most in need. Black organizing is, is something that is gonna benefit all people, <laughs> you know? Um, and I just really wanted to drive that point home, you know, essentially. Thanks for, uh, for sharing that, Andrea good to, to hear about that project yeah man um there let's see there there are a couple things that kind of were uh were jumping out to me um when i think about the the importance of builders and organizers uh in our in our community like why is it important for black folks Right, to have, for us to have organizers and builders. I, I couldn't help but think about um, a, a comment that Doug had made earlier about how the university um, is a contact site of settler colonialism. In other words, that colonialism is, is, a, is a process that's ongoing. It's not a distinct historical period that occurred you know, 200 years ago, but it's something that is is, is ongoing and it's with us now and it's operating in this current moment. And I think that um, I kind of wanted to, maybe to speak to that to help kind of situate why I see organizers and builders being important for us, um, um, which I agree with. I agree, one, that those, that's important, but two, that, that colonialism is still with us, it's still operating. Um, uh, and, um, and it's still with us because it, it, it's an important part of, of how wealth is generated and accumulated in our society, right? 
but it, an important part of that is an important system of thought, right? Meta system, right? Uh, not to get overly theoretical here, but you know, a it's a part of like a way of thinking that we all actually participate in that plays a big part in in this is, is white supremacy, right? And if, you know, uh, and actually Sister Hooks, may she rest in peace, she would insist that it's actually like white supremacy, capitalist patriarchy, right? Is that system, uh, right? But that, that, that system of thought is, uh, uh, plays a big part in, in providing this, this, this structural system of, of wealth generation. And it goes a little something like this. Right? Whiteness is valuable, but it's valuable because everything else isn't. Right? So whiteness is valuable because, because blackness is the complete opposite of that. Right? And wealth is extracted off of that, that relationship, off of the systematic devaluing of all things defined as not white, right? It's, you know, it's, uh, so when, when, when folks come out and say, oh, black lives matter, they're saying that actually black life has value, right? right? And that black life should be valued, period, right? Black, we, we know this, right? But, um, and it's a, it's a, it's a simple yet, you know, very direct confrontation of that, that colonial system, right? That insists on devaluing our bodies, right? For the purpose of sustaining and progressing the, the mass accumulation of wealth. And we can see that in a variety of different ways. But if we tie this back to the campus, for example, I would, I would add that there's another part. It, it's been exclusionary but it's also, there's also the flip side of that, which is it does facilitate inclusion because the university played a really important part in helping to produce uh, educated black folks to support colonialism, to support con you know, colonization, right? So it includes you on the condition that you learn how to be really good at being white, right? That's how you succeed. That's how you become successful is by, by agreeing to assimilate, right? Learning how to talk a certain way, how to dress a certain way, how to show up, right? How to, you know, some of us call it code switching, right? Um, how, to, how to present yourself, how to be presentable, right? Um, and we experience it when we come back to the community because folks, our folks in the, on the block will be like, oh, yeah, oh, homie, you changed. You talk different, right? You educated, right? right? We experience that, right? We, and it, and, it, and it's, it can be a, a quite traumatic and profoundly distressing experience to go through that transformation. But you've been going through it, we've been going through it since elementary, right? from the moment we go into the public school, right? The moment the state interacts with us and tries to, comes in contact with us, right? So, so it's either you exclude it 
because you don't belong here. But if your black ass is going to be here, you're going to learn how to act right. Right. So, so then, uh, so you got folks that come onto the campus, right? And either they feel unwelcome because it's like, nah, you don't belong here, or uh, you one of them good news. I'm good news, right? You know how to act, right? You ain't like the rest of them, right? Because you know how to, you know how to act right, how to talk right, how to dress right, how to perform, right? And if you reject that, uh, then then you find yourself being pushed out. So the center, the Emoja Center for Pan-African Excellence is, is necessary for us because that both exclusion and inclusion, right, which is highly differentiated and conditioned on certain things that have to happen, right, is, is how it, it, it facilitates that devaluing. It, it's an expression of that systematic devaluing of yourself, right? right? We value you because you ain't yourself or you are yourself and you don't belong. So, right? And, and this is why we need a space in the context of the university that, that, that provides brothers and sisters, right? Um, however they identify, right? To, to, to value themselves, right? To learn how to value themselves, right? To learn how to value their history and their culture, right? And how to be healthy and whole. And safe, right? Both on campus, but at, but more importantly, well, not more important, but and also in the community, right? And life beyond, beyond the campus. So when I think of using that as an example of why it's important for us to have organizers and builders, for me, it all comes back to, like, it's important for us to have people that have a, that have an audacious, belligerent unwavering commitment to, to valuing, to the value of, of life, right? Uh, and, uh, and supporting brothers and sisters to, to see that value, right? To honor that value, to, uh, to generate wealth for the community based off that value, right? Right. Um, right, which I think is, uh, so when I think of organizing and building, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a project, an ongoing project of, of building value, or not so much building, but building conditions and spaces that amplify that value, right? It's such a way that we see it, right? We come in contact with it. Um, and so, because um, I actually think that when, uh, and I think this is particular to the black, to the African-American experience here in the US. And this is just, this is my, my position. But I think because of our condition here, being ripped away from everything, Right, we've we've had to figure out ways to generate value out of nothing from the spirit. We've had to, we literally had to figure out how to create value out of the breath we breathe. Right, that song, y'all. 
That's our word. And we took that shit and we crafted a, a multi-billion dollar industry off of the off of the breath we breathe. And because of that, man, we I think we have a there's something special in in about about our about our experience and and in our relationship to value because we here in the here in the, the, the African American experience, right? Um, crafting something out of nothing, something profound, right? Which you know begs the question of actually maybe it isn't something out of nothing. Maybe there was always something there, right? But that's a whole nother kind of divergence to go down. But just to say that, like that. Uh, um, so I, I, I'm saying this because I, I think that, like, um, especially now in this moment, I think that we, we, um, it's important for for us to um, to create spaces and amplify that so that so that it pulls in more people, more brothers and sisters to see how how they can build and organize in their own way, right? Um, and, and when I say build and organize, I'm particularly talking about the various aspects of, 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 of like relational work that allows us to connect with each other, right? That reinforces and anchors belonging, right? That allows us to see, right, and know that we are valued, that, that our life is valuable and meaningful, right? Um, I think that's necessary now. Um, and, uh, um, and I think that, like, it's one of the things that is, you know, cutting edge about the Black radical feminist position, right? which asserted that like, if we're gonna really see true liberation, right? We, uh, it has to account. We have to, we have to get at the root of this system of devaluation, right? right? We have to get at the root of it. Um, and this is once again, all from Hooks and others, right? Kambahi Collective and the systems that were a part of that I told us that like, we, we have to um, take serious right our experiences, especially those that that live at the intersection of race, class, gender, right, age, ability, right. Um, so I don't know, y'all. I mean, um, I think it's important for us, and I think that 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 the, the in my opinion, and this has been my kind of experience, is that the more successful we are because of our position in society, because where we're located, it, it has a reverberating effect across the entire community. Right? Like truly black space, right? And I'm just, whether you talk about whether you're, or at least in my, from my imagination, from my kind of space of imagination and what I, and how I kind of understand, you know, what happens when we get together and uh, and we carve out 
space where life is valued, it has historically um, had a had a um, reverberating effect across society. Right? Whether we're talking about what brothers and sisters were doing after the Civil War during Reconstruction, right? The whole South was going through a radical transformation because of Black self-activity. If we look at what Black folks were doing during freedom struggles in the 60s and 70s, those efforts had a, a reverberating effect across society, right? Uh, and so, and, right, the, the youth that have, have been at the forefront of the Black Lives Matter movement is, is having a, reverber a reverberating effect across society in particular, it's forcing us to take seriously the way that law enforcement relates with the community, right? And that we have to really think about that, right? Uh, and take it, take it seriously, right? Um, that there's something profoundly sick with, with the way, with that relationship, it has to change, right? So um, anyway, um, so I, I think it's necessary. Um, I'm, I'm, of the, I'm of the position that we, we, we need um, a whole lot of everyday ordinary people to make extraordinary, right? So we don't need, I mean, it's nice to have ultra special folks doing special things, but that's not really part of how things change in society. We need a whole lot of just everyday, regular old folks. Right? Um, and I'm, in, I'm encouraged by that because I see every day, I'm in contact with a lot of really amazing everyday people and I see them doing really amazing, beautiful things, right? Um, and I think we just need a whole lot more of that. Um, and we got to figure out a way to braid it together, bring it, bring it all together for the heavy lifting. So that's that's my little my little two cents. I'm wondering if you would like to share a message with our non-BIPOC community members in Humboldt County. I just wanted to bring bring to light the situation that recently happened with uh, Eureka High. Um, school board voting out um, no no murals ever again. They, they just canceled um, no murals. They didn't want any murals up. And it was right after um, the diverse student club bodies got together to put up, um, you know, murals representing the different uh, cultural clubs, you know. Um, and it was no coincidence that one of the murals was from the Black Student Union that was going to be mural of um, Josiah Lawson and honoring several black community leaders in the community. And then all of a sudden the board wanted to vote like, okay, no murals allowed ever again at Eureka High. And um, the community rallied up, rallied together um, to uh, have them, you know, overturn that decision. Um, and, and they did. And I think the importance of bringing this up is just to say that this was going to be, or this is going to be the first time in Eureka High history that there are, there is 
um, a, a cultural community asset for the black community that, that celebrates black culture. And it's no coincidence that they shot it down right away, or at least tried to shoot it down. And I just wanted to bring that up to highlight what a, what a job that we have here in, in Humboldt County um, to do, how big it is, the reality of the situation. Because when you look around, you will, you will see no community art assets that were done by a black person uh, portraying black culture, culture in, in the public eye. You know, there, there are murals um, in Old Town that were done of black people like in Opera Alley, uh, the opera singer, um, and then there's a jazz singer as well. Um, somewhere else I can't remember, uh, but they weren't done by actual black people. And, um, you know, all you have to do is just look around, you know, is culture, is diversity celebrated in Humboldt County? And until that answer is yes, I would say that I just want the community to realize, you know, um, what a problem we have on our hands, you know, and it's not just that we don't see ourselves reflected in the environment. It is that there are hate crimes specifically targeting um, our most vulnerable population of black students that happens every single year. And I'm sure that Doug can speak a little bit more to that being that he works directly with the students, but um, all the most of the stories that I hear um, of racial, racial hate crimes have come from black student community members. Um, and they are a vital part of our community. You know, um, James and Doug probably can speak to the fact that, I mean, I'm not sure if uh, uh, Doug graduated from uh, Cal Poly or uh, HSU, but I know James uh, is an alumni. And because he was able to find community here and start a life here, now we have this other whole huge organization that's here to help black community members. But if he was one of the many um, students that got chased out of here with glass bottles being thrown at their feet or other, other various hate crimes, we wouldn't have him here. You know, I have the privilege of having been born and raised here. Um, so I have community and I know the importance of community. So I just want to highlight the reality of, of the dangers that face black community members yet again, just in case the point hasn't gotten across that we need support. We need all the support we can get uh, to survive here because we are under attack here. It's not, it's not easy, um, you know, even, even as somebody who has community support, I have to face daily, um, the potential of, of daily threats, you know, just going to the store or walking around in my neighborhood, you know, we have to look over our shoulders all the time and it shouldn't have to be that way, you know? I live in a neighborhood that um, is fortunately, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a middle-class safer neighborhood um, and a lot of our my community members and neighbors right here in this area support the Black Lives Matter movement the best way they know how to, <laughs> um, you know, and I do feel safe here. My neighbors are kind to me. I don't experience that in this tiny little microcosm, but the second I walk downtown, you know, that's, that's a different story, you know, and how can we, how can we make our community centers safer for, uh, you know, the, the diverse populations that we have here? Um, how can we value, I want to ask y'all, you know, as listeners, how, how can you value um, diversity? How can you value difference? How can you, you know, um, how can you just by being aware of the reality that we face, be, be there to support, you know, uh, and aid us in our movements so that we can say that Humboldt County um, is a safer place that um, diverse cultural communities want to thrive in. Because right now, it is not. It's, it, we're doing the best we can, but it's like, 
we get tired, we get burnt out. We, you know, we can't do it by ourselves um, and we need all the support we can get. Um, you know, and there's so many ways that, that, that you can that you can do that year round, you know, because we don't just face these racial hate crimes twice a year. We face it every single day of our lives trying to thrive in this community and elsewhere around the world. So that's what I have to say about that. And yeah, I just want to pass the mic to Doug. <laughs> Thank you all. Yeah, thank, thanks, Drea. Um, I had to really think long and hard uh, about how I, how I wanted to respond to this, and I still I still really don't know, <laughs> which is funny, you know. Like, how do you? It, it's a big, it's a large question. And, um, uh, I guess I guess one thing I, I wanted to just point out is that um, for, for white listeners to, to to just to kind of sit with two a couple of things that. Um, these conversations when black folks are talking, um, when people, when someone says that black lives matter, uh, when we talk about black liberation, uh, this is not about black supremacy. This isn't about um, blackness being better than or wanting to uh, dominate or blackness wanting to uh, uh, take away someone else's culture. Uh, I, that's one that I would like white listeners to know that these conversations, these conversations are, are about our human. As Andrea was saying, this is about our humanity. This is just simple. This is this is our simple. This is our simple humanity. Just we want to live and thrive. You know, we we we're human beings. We're going to struggle like everybody else. But some of the things that the things that we're that we're dealing with in the society, that the things that people that a lot of white people deny are happening. The things that white people look at are like things that are happened back, back, you know, that we're in this post-racial America and that we've had a black president, so they, that these things can't happen anymore. To understand that, sit, this, that, that these conversations are about, and these organizations, Black Humble, Youth Art Will Succeed, Be Men, Be Black, the Emoja Center, these are our responses. These are our responses, these are tools for our for to, to, to support our humanity. And it's and it's it is it's almost unfathomable to think that we have to have these organizations for our for our just for our, to our, for our survival and our and our and our humanity. What anyway, so I, I mean I, that thanks thanks for that question, uh, Mo. And I'm still I'm still gonna think of a, a, a other ways to better answer that question, but um, I think that is what uh, I would like the white listeners to uh, to just kind of sit with and, and process and sort sort of come 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 to terms with. Oh, the last thing it's not about guilt. <laughs> we don't want. It's not about guilt. This isn't. These conversations are not about placing guilt. Uh, again, we're when we talk about hate crimes happening, this is just about our humanity. These are about our experiences. So yeah, it's not about. I don't. We don't want. It's not sitting here trying to trying to put put y'all to put y'all white folks on on a guilt trip. Make you feel like, you know, that you that you're some monster, or that you have to be uh, accountable for, for uh, uh, something that happened a long time ago, you know, 400 years ago. Or you know, I'm talking about we want, you know, just accountability and and just you know, recognition of what's happening now. So uh, thanks, thanks for that question, Mo, and uh, pass the pass the mic to Brother James.
I think that, you know, when I, I was thinking about like, what, what to say, I think that this, the, the, we've, you know, this pandemic has um, exposed a whole host of contradictions over the past two years, you know, um, and has made kind of transparent or observable to, to, to us as a society that, that there are people or positions, workers in our society that, that are highly valuable but that are profoundly taken for granted and disvalued. And that if they don't show up, right, or can't show up, things come to a halt. We've, we've seen that. Uh, it's kind of an interesting contradiction, right, that you have, you know, grocery store workers, for example, that they're considered essential workers, and they are. Yet their labor isn't valued um, given how central of a role that they play in our health and vitality in this community, in our community, right? Um, and if you take them out of the picture, right? They can't show up to work and we, we don't eat. We don't have a way or stores don't have a way to make those products available that if you know, folk, farm workers are sick and can't show up, right? Um, then, then we won't have fresh produce. Right? Um, they're profoundly necessary and important, but yet they're not valued, even though they play such a critical role in our society, right? Um, and the everyday functioning of things, it's a, it's a contradiction pretty significant contradiction. And I'm saying this because, you know, we, there is, um, we're absolutely gonna have to come to terms with, with this, right? And we are, right? right? Like it's not going, it's not going away. Um, and, uh, uh, and I think that um, what, um, what I want to, um, what kind of comes to mind is this point that uh, Ami Césaire, kind of a prominent French, African French uh, philosopher, organizer, back in the day, one of the points he made was that like, you know, that white folks, sure humanity is as much tied to 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 the to like if 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 you tie if if you don't dress the 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 fact that your stability right your safety your security is and your leisure your comfort is tied to the misery of others Right, it has it, it it's going to have as much of a dehumanizing effect on you and your society as well. And eventually, and Du Bois also made this point too. It's going to 
it's going to implode your society. That you, it's not going to, it's not going to survive. Can't because it's 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 toxic, and it's it's viral, right? It's viral. Racism is viral. That the way if we devalue human life, and 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 if we don't take serious how it is a fundamental part of the way that we we live and work in society, right? We don't take serious and figure out how to deal with it. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna continue to mutate and spread, and and it's gonna, um, uh, it's gonna sicken us, right? It's gonna sicken society beyond repair, and I think that that's what we're 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 experiencing right now. The the insurrection, right? The January sixth insurrection is a and Trump. And that whole, uh, uh, what that represents is, uh, uh, in my eyes, is, a, is an example of this, right? Um, taking, you know, um, where we are experiencing the fruit of that sickness now. And it's with us now. It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere, right? And so I think that, like, if we want to, combat that and and come up with ways to, to 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 deal with it in a sustainable way right in a way that is healing and regenerative right i think king had a point and i also think our sisters the kambahi river collective they had a point right right king in his movement right that we have to really think about like how do we love each other but really what he's talking about is our relationship. How do we attend to our relationship with each other, right? And our, our sisters, our black radical feminists saying that we gotta get to the root of it, right? The way we pay attention to those, the way we relate with each other is by, right? They provided us with a, with a framework for looking at those relationships, right? The specifics, of how we devalue each other, right? And I'm gonna put myself on black. I'm gonna like, I have to hold myself accountable and pay attention to how he, as a man, how I benefit from, from, uh, from my masculinity or from me, you know, claiming, right, a, a, a male role. I have to take that seriously. He, so I don't know why folks, um, for me, and I think for uh, uh, everybody's coming, this is, this is coming from a place of love, right? And I think, uh, and, and an important part of that is, you know, uh, learning how to listen to each other, how to really hear, hear each other, where folks are coming from, right? Um, figuring out how we can facilitate meaningful places of connection well thank you so much for coming and talking with me today i always find value and peace and community when i spend time with you all you are all brilliant minds working hard selflessly a labor of love like james said and without you our community would be lacking so thanks again 
for coming and sharing yourself. I hope you're all well. I know this pandemic is crazy, but here we are striving. Happy Black Liberation Month to our listeners. I encourage you all to find out more about the organizations we spoke about today. You can donate uh, to continue the efforts of organizing and building for our Black community. Um, Check out more at blackhumble.com or at blackhumble across socials.